I'm Bridget Metcalf. Join me each week as I chat with leaders from around the world, shining a light of global issues that affect us all, so the truth may be known. Don't miss out on the conversation. Go to your favorite podcast streaming service now to subscribe to Truth Be Known. For upcoming podcasts, go to truthbeknown.org and enjoy the conversation. Hello, friends. This is Bridget, and thank you for joining us today on the Truth Be Known podcast. We have with us Pastor Dana Metcalf, the lead pastor of International Christian Assembly Church in Bangkok, Thailand. Today's podcast is the second of a two-part series with Pastor Dana on the heart of discipleship. He's spending today explaining this method of launching and mentoring emerging young leaders into their destiny. Enjoy the conversation as we dive into this week's episode of Truth Be Known. I know our audience is excited to hear more, and we'd like to just jump in today and expound on those three points that when you do discipleship with young men, that you start by believing in them, building them, and then breaking their box. And oftentimes in some of the studies and teachings that I've heard you share, you've talked about taking them where they are at currently and where they need to go. And I was just wondering if maybe you could expound on that concept for our audience today. Sure. I think it's so important that uh, we do like Jesus did and meet people where they're at and then take them where they need to go. That's the concept. And I think we have to be very careful, especially as mature believers that have been in the faith a long time, that we don't put unfair expectations on a young disciple that's just learning the way. But by meeting where they're at and accepting them, not just believing in them, but accepting them where they're at with all their faults and they're going to stumble, they're going to fall. And that's an important discussion that I have with them, that those expectations that are there should be biblical, fair expectations and uh, and telling them up front, you know, you're going to make mistakes and there's going to be some stumbles along the way. But this these will be great discipleship moments for us as we go through this journey together. Yeah, for sure. And and explain to the audience today a little bit more about how you believe in people, especially when you have a young disciple that really you don't know very well yet. You haven't really spent a lot of time with them. How do you start showing that you believe in them? What is the art of doing that? That's a great question. I think, you know, of course, affirmation is where it always begins. And just by verbalizing and actually saying it, you know, I believe in you, or I believe you can do this. And I believe that you can become this. God's hand is on your life. His calling is upon your life. Those kinds of affirmations that are really important. And of course, through the whole journey of discipleship, those affirming moments are critical in the process. But other ways to believe in people other than just affirmation is to be able to celebrate the victories and the wins that they experience, even the small things that they talk about. It's when they're learning and they're growing and you help point out to them, it's like, wow, you know, a couple of months ago, you didn't think you could ever even think, you know, do this or accomplish this, but just celebrating even those little wins with them, they really are growing and they're developing as a young disciple. So can you give me an example of a person that you have seen this in and that you saw that you believed in them and you saw this growth after you shared that with them? I think a recent example is a young man from South Africa that I've been uh, discipling. 
And when we began, he he was real reluctant. I think it was a trust issue. You know, he had never experienced this. And so he was quite cautious. But about four to six weeks into the process, it's like he was messaging me and asking me questions. And he, he was just letting all the excitement build. And then when we started meeting weeks later, he would share with me how the Word of God was speaking to him so clearly and you could just see the growth and the the change within him. So I always pointed that out with him. I was like, do you remember just a few weeks ago, you were reluctant, not even sure if you really wanted to do this or not. But now that you've engaged in this process, you have all this motivation. You're very ambitious um, about the process now, and you're really enjoying it and pointing out those factors and uh, so they can look back and realize how much they've grown. So that's a great example of believing in somebody. But let me ask you, when you start to build up a disciple, when you start to build them up, I mean, are you doing it in different elements, like their spiritual walk, personal goals? And do you have kind of a map or a plan of how you build them and the process that you do that? Well, again, the concept of meeting them where they're at and taking them where they need to go, I find out, do they have any spiritual background at all? Did they ever go to church growing up? How much have they been exposed to the Word of God? Those are all very important leading questions in the beginning to try to evaluate what their background is like, what they know and what they don't know. If they have very little exposure to church and the Word of God, then I, you know, obviously I start with the basics. So teaching, as the Bible calls it, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so I begin with basic teachings with them. And I don't just give them information. But again, I ask them questions like, do you understand this concept? And I, I let them dialogue about that line or that precept that we're talking about on the Word of God. So teaching is a big part uh, of the building. But it's not just information, but teaching them how to apply it that week. And so many of them, especially the millennials, will say, you know, Pastor, make sure when you give a sermon on Sunday, you give me at least one thing that I can apply to my life on Monday morning. You know, they want to be able to apply it. So we talk about the application of the teaching and how that's coming along with them. Are you really applying this? Does this not just make sense to you intellectually, but are you able to live this out and practice this principle in your life? And that creates some great dialogue with them. So when you do this teaching and you kind of give them an idea and a concept of what to work on, do you also put the people that you're teaching and training and building on a Bible program or a scriptural program that kind of helps them along their way with learning the word of God? Uh, what Right now, what I'm using predominantly with most of them uh, is a discipleship program developed by Elam Ministry, which is a ministry to Iranians around the world. And it's called Safar, which means journey in uh, Farsi. And that program is being translated in many languages now. So Safar just takes you from the beginning. And there's 29 steps in Safar, 29 weeks. And I take them through Safar. And it's very conclusive in teaching the basics about prayer and worship evangelism and their spiritual growth. And I use that program quite often, unless it's a situation where Savar doesn't apply, then I ask him, first of all, read the book of Mark, because the book of Mark is a great place to start, especially for a new convert. It talks about the miracles of Jesus predominantly throughout that entire book. And we have dialogue and discussion about the book of Mark and what Jesus was and what he did. So when you're building these young disciples and, and some that have known 
God for a long time that maybe just never were discipled before. Do you have them do goal setting and different areas of their life that you encourage them to start focusing on, building on? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we talk about goals and I kind of break it down in four areas in the very beginning. I I ask them to think and pray about four different areas of their life that we can just set one or two goals in. I, I want them to all be attainable and for the disciples. So we talk first of all about personal goals. And I'll ask them just to think of one or two personal goals that are important to you. It could be financial, it could be physical, uh, relational, and there's just some personal goals that you have and and how this discipleship process can help you achieve those uh, personal goals. The second one I talk about, obviously, would be uh, spiritual goals in the sense of, you know, what is your expectation in your relationship with the Lord? What What is your goal to get out of this? And what are you striving to achieve in, in this relationship with Jesus? And what are some of those personal goals? And perhaps it could be a study program in the Bible or spending time in prayer and so forth like that, that deal with your life personally. I also discuss with them ministry goals as well, because I, I believe that the, the call of God is, is really threefold. Our, our call to minister to the Lord, our ministry to God, but also our ministry in the local church, the body of Christ, and how I talk to them about how the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, but you're a very important part of the body and the body needs you. We talk about a few ministry goals in the local church. And then thirdly, uh, our ministry to the world outside the local church, our ministry to the lost. How can you be a light? How can you be salt in the earth where you go to school or where you work? And we talk about some of those concepts of the ministry to the world. And so I have them apply all of that. And we talk about the personal goals, the spiritual goals, as well as the ministry goals. In your personal life, do you also apply those on a regular basis? Do you set those things in your own life? Is that something you do regularly? Do you tell them to do this one time at the very beginning of their journey? Or is this something that you do on a regular basis and that you also have the disciples do too? Yeah, that part of the discussion I call spiritual disciplines, which is an ongoing processes throughout our entire Christian experience of evaluating, first of all, the progress of those goals that you set evaluating them, and then also resetting new goals as you feel led of the Holy Spirit uh, in your life. And as you grow more, the spiritual disciplines become a very important part of your daily experience and your daily life and just living those out. And it's a great deal of fulfillment that is derived from fulfilling all of those goals. So teaching them that, yeah, these are our spiritual disciplines that you will live by for the rest of your life. So do you feel that when you're doing discipleship, that there is what we would call reverse discipleship that also takes place, that while you're helping others, that you're also learning and growing from the ones that you're teaching? Yeah, I love that question. I call it a, a reverse mentoring, and that is a very important part. And I think it makes some them feel valued as well. And it, it's a part of believing in them that, you know what, you have a lot to offer as well. Even someone like myself, who is really considered to be your mentor, but I'll ask them questions. How, for instance, how can I be more effective with your generation in my ministry? What methods or techniques or what do I need to be aware of that's important to your generation that maybe uh, I might easily overlook? And we've had great discussions with that. And of course, I take notes as well like I expect them to. And so they'll see me model that and I'll write down the things that they share with me. And it's always very enlightening conversation with the reverse mentoring. So that kind of leads us to the next point. You talked about breaking 
their box. And I want to, you gave a great story about Andrew and how you broke his box and how that really helped him. Can you explain to the audience today, what is breaking your box? I mean, it's a terminology that you and I probably understand, but can you explain what that means? And then how do you actually do it? I always introduce that concept with just the the mere truth of that we don't need faith for what we can do. We need faith for what we cannot do. And I have a discussion about that. What are some things you feel like you can't do and that's going to demand a level of faith on your part? And we have discussion about that and taking a step of faith. And, and that's where I have those discussions about breaking your box. It's like, okay, we're going to take a step of faith. This is something you feel like maybe you can't do, or maybe you've done very few times in your life. You lack confidence. And then I, I break, I do a breakout discussion as well with them on God confidence versus self-confidence. And I'll ask them questions. What do you feel confident in terms of yourself, your own abilities and talents and so forth? And we have that. But then I also bring up to them the importance of God confidence, that our confidence is not in our own ability or self, but it's in the Lord. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to accomplish goals and things in your life that you never thought possible. Then we try to identify a couple of things that they feel like God is wanting them to do, but they've been hesitant because maybe a lack of faith or a lack of, of God confidence, as I define that with them, let's just pray and ask God to give you confidence of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you to be able to do this. And so we'll set up a strategy, a doable strategy where they can step out and actually try something that they've never done before. Then, of course, they always come back and it's like, well, that really built my confidence. I never thought I could do that by putting my trust in the Lord. I, I tried it and uh, was able to really break through. And, and it was something really out of their comfort zone. So in other words, breaking their box really means is showing them that they can go beyond the limitations that they see themselves in or that other people have put them in and that they need to have great faith to know that God can expound past their own barriers. Exactly. And I, I think that most people in our human nature is to aim for comfort, not heights. We aim for what's easier, what's comfortable, and we can stay there for long periods of time and never really uh, stretch ourselves or stretch our faith to, to go above and to beyond. But God has called us to take those steps of faith and uh, put our trust in him so that we can see his power move through our life. And we gain this God confidence, realizing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We talked about reverse mentorship and how you break their box. So in the reverse mentorship, does this something that applies to your own life on a regular basis that you're constantly really allowing God to help you break your own box in your personal walk? I think that is really important. I mean, everything that you share as a mentor, you want to practice it and live it out and lead by example. And all areas of leadership, we don't, we can talk a lot about theory in leadership, but we lead by example. And that is the greatest way to influence your followers because leadership really essentially is defined in that one word, it's influence. But if we're living out what we're teaching, it's not just theory, it becomes very impactful to the hearer. So what are some of the areas of your own personal life that you feel like you've broken your box in the last few years or in the last couple of years? Um, I think as I've grown older, I've, I've wondered if I'm still can still be relevant uh, with the young adult generation, which my ministry from the very beginning has always been geared around 
college age, young adult believers. And so I, I think that as I've gotten older, I've wondered, am I still relevant? Can I still relate? Do I understand this present generation of this age group? Because it really has always been such a, a passion of mine. And I think at times I've wondered because of longevity or age that maybe I wouldn't be relevant. And I think that's why the reverse mentoring has been so helpful. And so I've had to stretch myself in that area because the younger generation now has changed dramatically the way that they think, some of the mindsets that they have. And I've had to make a, a lot of adjustments in my ministry in order to be relevant and with them and still be effective. So what is maybe an example of how you've broken your box in the last couple years? Well, I think that because so many of them, they say, you know, we don't want to just, you know, be with you on a Sunday morning, you know, as my pastor, but I'd like to do life with you. And some of the things that I have done with some of the young people that I have mentored of doing life with them, things probably I thought I would perhaps never do. I never was a coffee drinker, I'll give you an example, but so many of them wanted to meet me at a coffee shop. And I think that's where my coffee habit began. It's kind of funny. I just never really had much of a taste or desire for coffee, but coffee shops seemed to be the places they always wanted to connect with me. So that why not? I just need to start drinking coffee and and joining in with them because they always wanted a dialogue about how great this coffee shop was and they wanted me to try a, a certain kind of coffee. I know that sounds funny and maybe not that big of a thing, but for me personally, it was a big step and it really taught me how to relate with them and just experience life with them in something that I never really did that much. That's a good example, especially when you're dialoguing and mentoring young adults. These are transitional times in their life. They're getting ready to to make huge, big steps, big leaps and things like that. Are you still showing them that you're taking those big leaps and risks too? And the thing that pops out to me that maybe if you could expound on is I know just the fact that, you know, you pastored the United States for 25 years and then went in a time where most pastors would retire, most pastors would stop that ministry you really felt the calling and the leading to go to Bangkok and take a leap of faith to go back into missions and be fully invested and emerged in that. Would you consider that something that's like breaking your box, which is an example to the young disciples that you minister to? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that is a, a great example of making that transition after a long, fruitful ministry and then selling everything that you have and laying everything down and leaving family and, you know, going halfway around the world to replant yourself and, you know, start this new ministry that uh, that I'm doing here in Southeast Asia now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is not only stepping out of the comfort zone and, and breaking your box, but it's an endeavor of, of faith for me personally as well that I, I'm still building upon that. And many of them have asked me, to share my story. How did you end up here at this stage of your life and your ministry? And it really creates a great point of contact and, and, a, and a lesson in mentoring of talking about putting your hand to the plow, not looking back and fulfilling the call of God in your life sometimes demands great sacrifice. Yeah, I would think that that to me is a great example to especially emerging young leaders that if they can see their mentor taking such a huge leap of faith and willing to risk it all, that 
they'd be willing to do the same thing because like you said earlier, you're leading by example. So I, I think that's just a wonderful encouragement to so many young emerging leaders. But I was wondering, how do you deal with maybe young leaders or young mentees that really just struggle? They constantly should, they have like one step forward and two steps back. And you see that they're not really getting the progress that they need, or maybe they lack in discipline or in different areas. What do you do as a mentor to encourage them to get over those areas of difficulties and stride for really conquering that and being an overcomer? It's a good question. I think that most scenarios when I'm dealing with, where there's the, the progress, like you said, one step forward, two steps backwards, where they're losing more ground than they gain, or they lose the ground that they do gain on that. It seems like a roller coaster ride for so many of them. Usually what that points towards in their life, if I can help them identify areas of their life that are not fully submitted to the Holy Spirit, it usually comes down to that. And when I interview them and I'll talk to them about things in their personal life, especially that, that maybe areas have not been fully surrendered to the Lord, those are usually the factors that hold them back from their full potential. I think it's like an athlete when coaches try to help define them and help them to reach their potential on the court or the field. Oftentimes, there's an area of their life that's not fully submitted to the disciplines of, of being an effective and athlete on the field or the court. And if we can identify those areas, and I walk them through some steps of fully surrendering those things to the Holy Spirit and giving God control if even just little areas of our life, they'll begin to see more breakthrough, uh, more God confidence in their life, and they won't have this up and down experience that they're going through. But normally, those are the things that they just haven't completely surrendered to the Lord yet that they've hung on to. And those are great discipling moments as well, where you can have that discussion and teach them how to fully submit themselves in those areas and really experience the fruit from that. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really good process. And I think that oftentimes, you know, we want as mentors and coaches and disciplers, we want to see people succeed and we want to see them move forward. And that's our goal in our heart. But there's just times where we've got to encourage that. So I, I was wondering too, in that area of progress, for those around you and the, and the mentees that you work with. Are there any times where you've seen maybe a men mentee that has really been doing good, but um, they're getting ready to make some decisions or to step into major ministry or things like that. And you just kind of feel that check in your spirit, like something needs to stop or, or maybe we need to slow down or maybe don't release them at this point because there needs to be just more of a discipline or just more progress that needs to happen. Have you ever had to do that with some of your mentees? Yeah, I think that, again, insecurities always come into play with that, with, with all of us, in fact, especially with some of the young disciples, if they allow their insecurities to rule their decisions, oftentimes those decisions will backfire or not be as fulfilling as they thought. But again, I always use every experience, even if it's a setback, I always look at it as a setup to be able to have discussions about insecurities and how they can rule our life and keep us from our destiny in the kingdom of God. So every moment is a discipleship moment, even though it may seem negative at the time or a setback or a step back or whatever. To me, those are always some of the best moments of mentoring to be able to discuss things like that. 
One of the keys I think that is so helpful for many of them is I, I just go to the Proverbs and I talk about how humility always precedes honor and pride always precedes a fall. And you can see that pattern throughout the scripture where pride sets us up for failure, pride sets us up for sinful behavior and for a fall, but humility always precedes honor. And, uh, and that's what we want to achieve. We want to be honorable before the Lord, before man. We want to be respected. And how walking in humility can be so effective in our walk and decision-making and, and ministry and, and everything should really be a garment of humility that you wear every day. Yeah, that's really good. I, I know that there's been times where that's sometimes the test of a man or woman of God and their character, if they can really humble themselves or wait or maybe miss some opportunities, but they can grow in the time span. So I do think that there's just times where those testing periods can be some of the greatest growth periods in young disciples' life. Um, absolutely. Something that you have said to me, Bridget, at times of how powerful obscurity can be in our life, seasons of our life where it seems like nobody notices what we're doing. Nobody notices how faithful we are. Only God is seeing it, of course. But I think a lot of times those obscure seasons are very, very important. Of course, with Jesus, he never began his public ministry until he was 30 years old. And there was a lot of years of obscurity. Nobody even realized who he really was and what he could do for so long before God brought him on the public scene of ministry. I, I teach very, you know, very avid about one principle with young disciples is that we have to learn to be faithful in a private area of ministry before God will give us a public ministry. And so our private life, those spiritual disciplines, just being faithful, just showing up. You know, I talk about that a lot. And even though you feel like you're living in a life of obscurity right now, believe me, it's it's setting you up for public ministry. But God is wanting to teach you some very important lessons in those obscure seasons of your life. And those are great discussions as well in a mentoring process. Yeah, I've seen that be very fruitful in a lot of people's lives, especially some of the young ladies that I've ministered in the past, that those times of waiting those times of digging. I often describe it as kind of like a slingshot. You feel like you're being pulled back and you feel all this resistance that's pulling you back. But when you allow God to pull you back, when God launches you, you go further and faster rather than if you're just doing it on your own strength and your own power. So definitely see the benefits of doing that and ex explaining that in some of these young disciples' lives. Is there any last words that you would like to say to the Truth Be Known audience that maybe just stick out to you about the heart of discipleship, a nugget or something that you can share with us before we conclude the show today? Yeah, I think going back to the introduction, when I was sharing about very defining moment. I would call this a defining moment when I was washing the feet of those young men in Bangladesh early in my ministry career that really opened my eyes in this defining moment of the importance of discipleship and formation, not just you know, information. I think that Jesus, his really his last act with the disciples before the cross was not his best sermon in terms of what he was saying, but basically just serving on his knees and washing feet. He said, I'm doing this and I want you to do this with the world. I think his posture, 
this title in that he disrobed himself and put on really uh, the garments of a servant. And, and then he bowed down and he washed those disciples' feet. He did gave them an example to live by. And I think this is really what we're called to do, or we're called to wash the feet of the world. And sometimes that puts us in a, a position where we're humbling ourselves before people that perhaps don't even deserve it. But really, it is the, the essence of our calling as, as a disciple to be the ultimate servant. And I, Jesus taught this, and it's a great point that he said, you know, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And he said that to him when they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest, you know, even after Jesus was gone. And he basically just corrected them and said, you know, greatness in the kingdom is all about servanthood. And I think God has put that in every individual that we find great fulfillment in just serving and giving ourselves. And the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Becoming a mature disciple is all about giving and serving. And it is a blessed life. Thank you so much, Pastor Dana, for sharing that with us. And thank you for giving today and serving by sharing on this podcast. I really appreciate that, your wisdom and your insight on the area of discipleship. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was a a real privilege to be on Truth Be Known. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Pastor Dana, for joining us today on Truth Be Known. And thank you for your insight on how to effectively mentor young emerging leaders. This two-part series on the heart of discipleship has been very helpful on understanding the concept of believing, building, and breaking the boxes of young believers and setting them on a course to success. Thank you, friends, for tuning in today on the Truth Be Known podcast. And be sure to go to truthbeknown.org or email us at truthbeknown.org at gmail.com to find out more about our future episodes and guests that will be joining us each week. You can always find us on your favorite streaming service. And don't forget to let the truth be known.